Today's pop quiz. Number one, what's the perfect router for multiple types of energy feeds? Number two, what's the secret to a winning culture no matter what life throws at you? And number three, where do you find bagels in Birmingham, Alabama? An industry under pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of Nutanix or any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Hey everybody, welcome back to another electrifying episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast. Today we have a fantastic guest. In fact, I, I think I might, he's very experienced. He's done a thousands, thousands of these things and I'm probably just going to let him talk and I'm going to take a break. But first, before we do that, I want to make sure that I ask everybody for some reviews. Please go ahead and leave us a review. Leave a good review, leave a bad review, any kind of review. Just make it heartfelt and sincere. And if you think we need to be doing something different, then tell us so that we can get better. Also, a quick shout out to our sponsor, Cognite. We appreciate them paying the bills and I'll say a little bit more about them later toward the end. And before we get into this, because today we're going to talk about automation and there's a lot of talk about automation today about different things, but today it's specifically related to things like pumps and compressors and rotating things. So before we get to our guest, so those of you who've been listening know I've kind of been on this history kick lately with history and technology. And and so I had to look up the history of pumps and it's it's amazing. Get on the interwebs and look at the history of pumps. It all started around 200 BC with this incredible invention from this guy, as you know, named Archimedes. And he created that screw pump, which apparently we're still using today. Then after Archimedes, apparently for the next 1500 years, nothing happened until we get to the Renaissance. And all of a sudden, like everybody is inventing all sorts of pumps. You got centrifugal, you got sliding, vein, gears, vacuum plunger, like all through the 1500s and the 1600s. And eventually we get to that guy, that famous Italian guy, Bernoulli, with his fluid dynamics in somewhere in the 1700s. And then it's just like a continuous flurry of innovation. Like for, for like 200 years, there's new inventions coming out related to pumps, like every year or two, until eventually we get to something called the sensorless pump-off control. And I'm not even sure what that is, but I do know that when I looked up the website of our guest today, apparently that was the innovation that launched his company. So today we have with us Bobby Mason. Bobby, how are you doing? I'm asking you how are you doing like we weren't just talking five minutes ago, but welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. I say we were talking five minutes ago because I have to remind the audience. I always like to do this. Unfortunately, we're not at the fabulous cannon on the west side. of Well, actually, I am at the fabulous cannon on the west side of Houston today. But Bobby is in Oklahoma, I believe, right? Aren't you? Well, I'm a little south of there. If you were to call Alabama south okay. of Oklahoma. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I thought Oklahoma. Did you <laughs> used to be in Oklahoma? <laughs> We've got a ton of product out there and people, but we're based Here. actually just outside of Birmingham. Outside of Birmingham. I have a funny story about Birmingham. I was traveling there with my family when my kids were young many, many decades ago. This may be different now, nowadays, but back then we stayed at what I thought, what I think was probably the nicest hotel in Birmingham at the time. It was this really nice hotel owned by this 
a very nice family. And on the way out in the morning, you know, we didn't have time for breakfast. And so I asked the young lady behind the desk, I said, you know, like if I want to get some bagels on the way out of here, like which way should I go? And <laughs> so this line is still used in my family today in various contexts. And she looked at me and she said, we don't have bagels in Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like to this day, my family, anytime there's something like that, we don't have bagels. So that's the question I have for you is, do you have bagels now in Birmingham? There are a few bagel shops, but it's just for implants. It's not for the local. <laughs> that's the thing. I didn't know the secret handshake to get the bagels. Anyway, so the, the point of all that was that you and I are not in the same place. So we are going to do our best to try to have a natural conversation and not have that awkward, can't see each other aspect of things. But our audience is very patient. They understand that this is what we have to do. So first, Bobby, a little background, like who are you and, and, and what do you do and, and where do you come from? Well, great. Thank you. Again, it's just a pleasure to be here. I am the CEO and, and president of Spock Automation. I've actually been in the automation and industrial electric business, either on the supply side or the manufacturing or engineering since about 1991. Started this company about 19 years ago, almost 20, coming up in February. That's fantastic to still be in business with a company that you started after 20 years because so many of them, it doesn't always happen. But I know you have a story behind why you've been so successful, so we're going to get to that, but but go ahead. No, we have been. We've been very blessed to find a, a way that we can serve people, and that's usually our core business is in that automation technology and the upstream, midstream segments of the oil and gas. And people look at me funny that aren't in the business and say, what does that mean? And so, well, we do process control around artificial lift, water handling, you know, vapor recovery, gas compression, any kind of rotating equipment. We, our core products are around variable frequency drives, which spin motors, electric motors. So we started the business as a result of not having a good culture at a previous company that actually after working <laughs> that, that was so it was so diplomatic the way they said that that never happens <laughs> it never <laughs> happens it wasn't a great culture at that previous company so but it's fantastic because you because instead of like grumbling right you, you did something went and did something different that's exactly right and it was kind of interesting because i ended up uh, it was my father's company he sold it to a multinational and, and so I've grown up in this business way before 91. I was just officially through with school and, and working full time then. But yeah, he sold it to a multinational that came in, wanted to change our culture, wanted to change the markets that we served and how we served them. And so between core values and culture, I did it for two or three years. And I just said, I can't do this anymore. And I walked in and said, yeah, here's my notice. Can't function this way. So I'm going to make a change and and we've already come up with some solutions. We got started in the coal bed methane fields down here in the Black Warrior Basin using some drive technology on rod pumps, reciprocating loads. And we were fortunate enough to have some software that allowed us to do it in a new and innovative way without brake choppers and resistors and, and save customers a bunch of energy. And so seven guys that I had to let go from my previous company, which was the catalyst that made me do this, we banded together and came into the market with a thunder here in the coal bed methane fields. And then we branched out in, 
two years later into the oil side with actually my first order was in, in Oklahoma. And then we have taken it worldwide since. And today we've got over 70,000 of our units out in oil fields spread out across the world. That's fantastic. That's amazing. I always love the getting the band back together stories because when you get a group of people that have a certain like energy and chemistry and do things and like the sum is greater than the, or whatever that saying is the sum and the parts and the whole, one of them is the biggest (laughs) and you can't like that. It's irreplaceable, right? You can't like, you can't, you can feel, you can, you can interview people and you can pick people with exactly the right skills and the right experience. And, and they can even, you know, they can pass the beer test, right? Like, yeah, I want to take this guy out and have a beer or whatever, but you can't replace that. Like, or maybe you can, maybe, maybe, maybe you have found the formula, but what I've found is I look back at those times when, when I had a, a team that was just like the right, like special forces unit that could just do stuff and to be able to bring them back again together and do something new is always a lot of fun. Is that, am I characterizing it right? No, or, you're spot, or, you're spot, or was man. it, a, or was it a, or was it a horrendous failure and, and you don't talk to those guys anymore? No, no, absolutely not. There's no hard feelings and that core group, you know, I can honestly say, and I think I really believe in culture and core values, even though we're an innovation company at our core, it all starts with core values. We refer to our culture here as lift up. So we try to lift up the individual, give you a place where you can have a career and grow. We try to lift up our customers and give them products and solutions so that they can be more profitable and sustainable. We lift up our company because everybody to your left and in in your right, they're important. And if they weren't, they wouldn't be here in our community. And then ultimately we feel like we lift up this country because energy drives the world economy and national security. And if we can have solutions that are, that are green and help us have energy that is at the lowest possible cost, it's going to help all of us thrive. And the entire team's bought into that where, you know, people, standards, innovation, ideas, and potential are all lifted up every day. And when you're doing that, you're winning. Yeah. I'm inspired just actually just listening to that. I think, I think it's good, especially good for this industry and the folks, you know, so it's, you call it lift up. And I think we have a lot of people out in the industry right now who have been beaten down quite a lot and just through the circumstances. And, and, you know, if it's not, you know, economic factors, it's other antagonists, you know, kind of working and, and people, it's good for people to know, to hear good stories and to know that, you know, those those bonds and those those relationships that you make with with the people along the way if you do right by people then you know those things come back to help you but you, you hit on one thing there which was i think interesting and that is being able to kind of reach beyond so oil and gas as kind of de facto energy in a lot of ways drives drives the world and and if anybody is going to solve the problem of how do we effectively leverage new forms of energy, it's going to be the people who solve the problems of how are we powering ourselves right now, right? And I think, and so you touched on that a little bit, but maybe comment on that a little bit more. Like, how are you finding opportunities to take kind of your bread and butter from oil and gas and make an impact beyond that and kind of whatever the world's going to look like in the future of energy? Michael, that's a great question. And it's actually 
something that we're super excited about. And that is that the an inverter, a drive, a variable frequency drive, has an inverter in it. An inverter is the perfect catalyst to be a energy, you could say a router or hub, but really what it allows us to do is to now offer energy solutions for customers so that you could take multiple feeds of energy. So maybe it's utility, wind, solar, generation from a a generator, and even battery backup or supercapacitors. And a drive could take in multiple energy sources and be that grid controller to allow you to move from one to the other. So now customers can have the ability to think differently, to be able to come up with solutions where they can utilize the best available energy source. Maybe they want to do peak demand shaving so that they're not paying utility penalties, or they just want to source the least expensive power source to operate during you know this particular time, or they have an application that's mission critical and you want to do battery backup. And so you want to operate even a motor load under battery. Well, the drive technology has been able to do most of that for a long time, but now the software exists to be able to turn drives into grid converters and do energy storage as well. And so we think that that is going to be something that really shapes the future of this industry and other industries, quite frankly, because it's going to give you the ability to now pick and choose the lowest cost point and keep processes running with backup that that we haven't had the ability in the past. So so that's huge, right? I mean, what you just said so so, so simply and matter-of-factly is actually I mean, so what you're describing is sort of like the equivalent if I said, okay, you know, we have cars now, right? That we have hybrid cars. We've got cars that it, it can run on gasoline and it's got a battery in it and that, okay. That's pretty impressive. But what you're describing is like, what if I had a car that had like the gasoline internal combustion and also had electric motor with a battery and also it could run on like propane and also it could run and it, and it had like solar things on the roof and it also had wind. And like, so wherever I'm driving, whatever I'm doing, I can like choose which one of those power sources I want to integrate into the same process, right? I'm not like getting into a different car. It's the same operation, but being powered kind of seamlessly. Is that what you're saying really? That's a great example. The electric car where you're using multiple sources of energy is exactly what we can do today. We can do that using variable frequency drive technology to allow us to do that. We can do it for peak shaving, for time shifting, so you can pick the lowest cost energy source or battery backup. Hopefully your gear looks better than that ridiculous sounding car that I just described that had things poking out <laughs> all over. I don't know about the natural gas part, but the others <laughs> absolutely with the solar and wind. I mean, that's huge. And the applications of that, right, are various, right? Because you started out by saying anything really that like with a, what did you say with a rotating motor? Yeah, so, an electric motor on it. Any kind of, so it's pretty widespread application. You can, that can show up in, in so many different places, right? In the process controls world. 
It really does. I mean, people don't think about it, but we've even done projects where we've replaced and put electrification on boats, work boats out in the Gulf that are feeding the rigs, where they take the main propulsion and the bow thrusters and they they have diesel generation on there instead of diesel engines on, on those applications. And then our drives are controlling the main propulsion and the, the bow thrusters. And that allows them to then do energy savings because now they don't have to run those diesels at full power when they demand power that then they can react accordingly. So it cuts down on emissions, huge fuel savings. And we think that that technology customized for your applications on land-based have just huge potential to save customers and allow them to think differently than they've ever operated facilities before. So optimizing, I mean, you're describing various forms of optimizing and optimizing is sort of like the new religion in the oil and gas world, right? Like, it, <laughs> I mean, when crude is at $120, nobody, you know, people don't think long and hard about optimizing, right? It's just about, it's just about speed and scaling. But optimizing is, it turns out all different kinds of processes and things, right? And, and, and it turns out that that is not only maybe the key to the industry becoming even more resilient than it has been in the past with new you know, economic conditions, but also maybe the key to trans- being able to be agile and be able to transition to whatever it needs to look like in the future with other things. That it seems to be, everybody seems to be focused on that. I agree. You know, I think of saltwater disposal as a great example. You know, if your disposal goes down, then you have to shut in a well. What if you had the ability to operate it at a lower cost and even have battery backup so that you could then do an orderly shutdown or cut down a portion of your field and and take care of things? We're just super excited about this and and really the next generation of drives that is coming out because it has so so many more sensors and edge capabilities to really change the way people think. And unfortunately, our industry, at least land-based, is really 15 plus years behind in automation. Not everyone, but generally speaking, There's so many things that we could be doing to help people and help the industry be more efficient through all that. And I think you've been doing that to some degree all along, right? And I I think we, we kind of, we fast forwarded to the exciting parts about like the future and your culture and things. I did want to get back just briefly to, because the crescendo in my 2000 year history of pumps was this thing that according to your website, sensorless pump off control is what started the innovation that launched the company. So so what is that? Is it a thing? Is it a state of mind? What is sensorless pump off control? Some days it felt like a sense of, <laughs> a sense of mind at times, but it is actually software inside the drive. And it's actually an acronym. And the reason we went with Spock Automation is that's that acronym stands for sensorless pump off control. So instead of having to have load cells and sensors and pickups and all that stuff to do pump off control on rod pumps. We have the ability initially because we didn't have those brake choppers and resistors in the circuit to do pump off control through software 
and the motor itself became our sensor. And so that's how we got started doing pump off control so that we could dynamically adjust the speed based on the flow conditions of the well. So we could speed it up and slow it down automatically without ever having to shut it off as long as you had enough fluid to recover. And this is 20 years ago? This is like 2000? Yeah, we started doing rod pumps and then we moved into ESPs. And today we do every artificial lift that requires an electric motor on it. Right. So that's how we got the, that's how we got the Spock. I mean, Spock, Spock and it has a pretty good name. name yeah. I mean, you know, you gotta, <laughs> and you know, the whole like greater, what, what is it? The good of the many and the few and the one and all that. I mean, that, do you blend that into your lift culture thing or, or do you, do, or do you, we've got some great t-shirts that people <laughs> love that say pump long and prosper. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So we'll put a link to how to buy those t-shirts in the show notes. You want to like, don't Google that. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just send you a, a link. So remarkably, we're doing good on time here. We still have some time to, to chat. So what about like, so over this 20 years that you've been doing all this amazing, these amazing things with pumps, like what's a story of, you know, like a real life story of somewhere where you worked with somebody to change their world, right? Where like their before and after, it's good for people to hear. I think sometimes people, especially in environment, you know, in times like this, people feel like they're on a death march, right? With these projects that they're working on or, or things that, you know, aren't going anywhere or things that can't get funded and stuff. So like, what's a good story of how somebody's world got better with some of this innovation? There are so many, Michael. I, yeah, we don't have that much time. We have like six minutes. I, I know. And, I, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about different angles to take on that. You know, we've, we've had times where we've been able to help people apply this technology that, that not only increased their production, but it lowered their lifting, their electric cost associated with lifting by, you know, 40% sometimes. But really, I think the one story I'll say that I, I think we've impacted the entire industry for the better, in my opinion, is when we first got started in building drives for ESPs, the industry as a general rule did not put sine wave filters on the output side of drives. And you really have to do that because any spikes that come out of our electronics, the the IGBTs of the drive, hit that step-up transformer and then they send spikes down thousands of feet of cable, which those spikes grow and attenuate. And they were already magnified coming through that transformer. Anyway, long story short, I had one of my first OEM customers that just fought me on it because the industry always offered that as an option. And we really have stuck to our guns and said, no, it's not an option. It's engineering fundamentals. And we will not sell you our drive on an ESP application without a sine wave filter. I would rather not get the business and save, you know, save our name and our reputation than to just do something to be the low bidder. And as a result of sticking to that, we lost that OEM and they came back two years later after burning up a bunch of equipment and agreed that maybe we were right. But as such, the entire industry has shifted now over the last decade and you, you can't buy an ESP drive hardly without 
I mean, you have to go out of your way to get somebody to not put that in. So we've helped shape the industry and it's really just about doing what's right for the customer. And so that's, I'll say that's probably one of my that's, favorite That's a good one. Stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. I always love those stories where the people come back and say, you know, you were right about that, but it's good. Not because of like vindication, but because like, it's good that people are learning and improving. Right. And like you said, you were able to impact that really for the whole industry, which is fantastic. So now we're kind of getting to the end of it here. What about if there's that magic window where if we keep talking, people stop listening. So we want to, we want to make sure we wrap up before that. But so if people want to find out more about you, about the culture, I know you got, I think you got like a little side hustle on this lift culture thing, right? Where you talked to and that's the, that's the word that like people use now, right? Side hustle. Isn't that the, I think that's the term. Well, at my age and my weight hustle might be a strong word, <laughs> but, uh, but I do talk a lot about culture because I really believe that culture is something that can change the industry as well as your company. It has been something phenomenally rewarding for me personally and our entire team. As I've shared with you before we started, we've won a lot of awards for culture. We were, we were actually fortunate enough even this year to be named one of the best places to work in Inc. Magazine for 2020. And as I give talks about culture and about- you, Are you culture, taking applications? Can I like fill one out? At you? <laughs> well, you know, as, as I talk about Lift Up, and I've had the pleasure of being able to share share our experiences with a lot of people, people ask me the question, but does it really pay for itself? And the answer is quite simply, yes, resoundingly. First of all, it's very gratifying to work somewhere that you love and you love the people you're working with. And then second to that is, I always say proof is also in the numbers. We've been fortunate enough to be recognized as one of the fastest growing private companies in Inc. 5000 three times in the last decade. So numbers kind of speak for themselves. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, you can't argue. You can't argue with that. Culture wins. Right, right. Very good. Okay, so people can learn about... Spock, and we'll put a link to your website and things. I believe you're pretty easy to find on LinkedIn, right? Robert L. Mason on LinkedIn, and then, of course, our website. And if you're interested in culture, there's actually, if you go to the About Us section, there's a link to Lift Up, and that gives you a lot of information and some videos and other things. Excellent. Excellent. And that's right. Thank you. Yeah. It's, what did you say? It's Robert, if I owe you money or if you owe me money or something like that, but otherwise it's, <laughs> right. it's Bobby, if, it's Bobby if we're Robert, shooting pool or something. <laughs> but if, if us buddies talking, it's Bobby. <laughs> it's Bobby. If we're shooting pool, it's Bobby until you, until you start owing me money. And then, yeah, I gotta, I gotta call you Robert. <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right. Well, Bobby Mason, thank you very much today for joining us from the far away land of Birmingham there in Southern Oklahoma. And I uh, appreciate you making time and maybe we'll do a follow-up to this sometime, you know, maybe next year or something as, as the world is evolving and we'll find out if you're doing anything else to change the world. We will put links to everything that he said in the show notes as usual. Also, I need to thank our sponsor, Cognite. 
And they are doing some amazing things with industrial data and making it contextual and intuitive and making it so people can use it and machines can use it and applications can use it. Check out Cognite, really cool stuff. Also, I have to mention the OGGN street team, which is being led by the fearless and noble Warren Spiewak. He's got a great team of people who are, even though... You know, we're not, we can't really get out on the real streets so much right now everywhere, but they are doing a lot of stuff online and there's a LinkedIn group. And if you want to get involved with OGGN or you want to just do something with all the spare time you have because you're not going anywhere, then the street team is a great way to connect. Also, you can, you can connect with OGGN on our LinkedIn group and the new OGGN website, which is spectacular and new and shining and designed by our friends at Midnight Marketing. So check out the website. You can find out things you never wanted to know about all your favorite OGGN podcast hosts there. And that is going to do it for today. Final thought. I've been making this comment here about, and this is why I like to go back and look at the history because we get a lot of noise in oil and gas about being slow to adopt the new technology. But in fact, we have been doing technology for quite a long time. I mean, we had the 2000 year history of pumps. I mean, that's got to count for something. So when your friends make jokes about it, just remember to tell them that we were tech before tech was cool. And here are the events on deck. Happy New Year, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for January 2021. This month, we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two in-person events the OCI East Houston Chapter Luncheon at the Monument Inn on the 5th, and the Houston Chapter Energy API Meeting at the Petroleum Club on the 14th. The only online event we have this month is the Prefab Connect from the 26th to the 29th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for January. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. Oil & Gas.